And as you know, we're going through a series in Acts called the Book of Acts. And hopefully it turns into a life of Acts for us. And that's, I guess, the whole point of Luke writing the book is that he was he was writing the Gospel of Luke to, to uh, tell us all about what Jesus began to do and to teach. And, and the, the book of Acts is the continuation of what Jesus was doing and teaching through the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit. And so last week, we did look at a miracle of the crippled man outside of the gate, beautiful, the beautiful gate. Do you remember that? And Peter and John uh, didn't have any money to give the man, which what he was after. But what they did have, they gave to him. You know, Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out in, uh, in the first mission to the Israelites, he said, um, take nothing with you. Take no money. Don't take anything in your, you know, just, just go and uh, go to the lost sheep of Israel and, um, and do your business because freely you have received, freely give, you know. And so I guess Peter was kind of maybe remembering that moment. And he said, well, I don't, what I have, I'll give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And that was a great miracle. But we, we remembered that it's not about the miracle. There was an there was a opportunity to declare the message that Jesus was alive that he was alive. He conquered death. He's, he's risen from the grave. And that gives us all hope to trust in him for salvation. Now, some people didn't like that. The Sadducees and the Sanhedrin didn't like that. And they tried to shut the disciples up. And at the end of the, uh, sorry, at the end of that section in chapter four of Acts, what I'll, I'll just highlight this little, these words that the disciples said when they, when uh, the Sadducees called them in, and they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And in verse 19, it says, But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now, they, they couldn't help but speak about what they had seen and heard. Why? Because they had seen and heard it. They had seen the works of Jesus and they had heard the words of Jesus. And so continuing on with that sort of theme, all the way through Acts, we see words and works, words and works. Your faith and my faith, it'd be great if it was just words, you know, like words that you said at the end of a Billy Graham concert or something, you know, I'm sorry, God, please forgive me and, and just leave it at that and just ticket to heaven. Fantastic. But to live the life that Jesus has called us all to live is not just to save us from our sins, but to give us strength and power to live powerful lives in, in purity and uh, in obedience to him. And so it's words and works. The two go together. In fact, Dale shared with us a scripture speaking about World Hope International, um, about faith practicing itself out in works otherwise it's really not faith it has to for it to be genuine faith there needs to be some kind of action that springs from that belief so tonight i want to talk to you about what uh chapter five i believe the first 16 verses of chapter five are really all about um now before before i we talk about it i'll let you know what the two points are there's two points so super easy message i'll be done in five minutes Purity and power. Purity and power. Okay? 
Now, before I do talk about that, though, I just wanted to, I guess, just reiterate that the miracle that we learned about last week, this blind, uh, sorry, this, this crippled man that was healed, was an example um, of, of many miracles that happened, all right? And it's an example um, that's set at the beginning of the, gospel, uh, the book of Acts uh, to show us um, that there's a miracle there's a message, and there's, there's, there's the works, and there's the words. Uh, and and this, this section here in chapter 5, I believe is really um, pivotal for the rest of the book of Acts. Because if, if there wasn't purity in the church, and if, if, the, if the purity in the church, I guess the impurity in the church, wasn't dealt with, they wouldn't continue on in the power. So it's a bit of a tricky situation here with what we've got. I want you to open your Bibles in Acts chapter 5, verse 1. What we see here is um, two disciples of Jesus or two followers of Jesus, two members of the early church um, called Ananias and Sapphira, married couple, uh, doing something kind of nice. They want to support the church. They want to, you know, like this, this is what's happening. Um, while you've got your Bibles there, I don't know if, you can, if you've got a paper Bible or a, you can just hit the little arrow to go back a bit. But at the end of chapter 4, we see these words in verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Uh, Joseph, a, Le a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field uh, he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Here's this sense of unity, right? It doesn't say that it doesn't say that everyone everyone's possessions belong to everyone else. It just said it says that they they claimed that no one claimed that any of his own possessions were his own. So it was if if the situation came up that somebody needed to borrow a car, if they had cars back then, they would have gone, hey, look. Peter's got a spare car. Pete, what do you reckon? No worries at all. Just fill it up before you bring it back. You know, it's just that kind of idea of caring for each other when the need arises. And there were some people who had, like, for example, Barnabas or Joseph, his real name is. Um, so when Barnabas got married, his wife found out, oh, it's Joseph. <laughs> That's a side issue. Um, but he sold a field and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet, you know, because he wanted to. He wanted to give, right? And isn't it interesting, like when you see generosity or people that are generous and want to give, sometimes there begins a little bit of a competition, a little bit of a, oh, that person gave that much money, so what do you reckon, darling? Should we give a bit more or match them or, you know, because all the church are looking. Anyway, it could, it could be an issue. I, I know that's, um, that's part of the reason why I like to have uh, offering bowl in an inconspicuous place for people to to put their tithes and offerings in 
to worship the Lord that way instead of passing it around and everyone gets to see what other people are putting in because there can become a little bit of a culture of, oh, and I don't want that. I don't want to put that in anyone's, I don't want to put that stumbling block in front of people to trip over if that's what they will trip over. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. People want to pass around money and put money in, I don't care. But that's the, yeah, that's the point. And anyway, it seems to me that here Ananias and Sapphira have that kind of um, problem, yeah. Together with his wife, uh, they sell a piece of property. That's good. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Okay, so far, he hasn't done anything really wrong. Then, in verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, how is it that you how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? So it seems to me that what hap- what's happened here, and we find out later too, with when his wife gets caught, is that they've come with a sum of money saying that it's the whole lot of money. We sold our block of land. We want to, let's say it's $100. All right, let's just do that. I know it doesn't make sense, but it's $100. And so Sapphira says, right, it's $100. Great. Let's give the church $70 and keep $30 for ourselves. But say that we sold the property for $70. And this is what they've done. A much larger figure, obviously. But this is what they've done. And it's a, it's a matter of purity in the church that's being dealt with is the problem of, of impurity in the church. The Holy Spirit in a person's life, like, I don't know, who here has made Jesus their Lord and Savior? Can I see a show of hands? Like, made Jesus their Lord and Savior and trusted him for salvation. All right, each one of us have the Holy Spirit in us, right? We're filled with the Holy Spirit. The moment we believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord, Repent of our sins, sorry, repent of our sins, believe we are filled with his Holy Spirit. The promise is for Peter's, Peter's message in, in, uh, in Acts chapter 2. It's uh, the promise is for everyone, even those that are far off, that if they repent of their sins, be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a promise. That's what happens. But then after Acts chapter 2, I notice, I don't know if you guys have noticed, But time and time again, you'll read the words, and Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, or, and the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, or, and it's like, hang on a second, weren't they already filled with the Holy Spirit? What's going on? Why do they need filling again? Are they leaking? Will they lose their salvation if they lose, if they don't continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit? All these questions come to mind. Um, But it, it seems to me that what happens is the Holy Spirit Oh, what happens is the Holy Spirit is, is a down payment, a deposit. He is in you because your spirit and, my, and our spirits are not right. And so we need a Holy Spirit. And none of us can be holy on our own. And that's the issue of, with a lot of religions around the world. They're seeking to be holy on their own. And without Jesus and without his Holy Spirit, we're all going to fail. But there, come, but there also comes a place, uh, a situation in each and every believer's life where we must be influenced by the Holy Spirit. It's enough to say I'm saved, right? And it's enough to say, okay, I can live at a level of like, 
you know, 50% uh, maturity in Christ and obedience to Jesus, but then, uh, but, but um, not be influenced by the Holy Spirit, not being influenced by the Word of God, not being influenced by a relationship with the Father prayerfully, continually, on a daily basis. I think it was last week I said, you know, some people are just happy to call Jesus their saviour. But when it comes to making him Lord, it's too, it's too hard. But anyway, Ananias and Sapphira seemed to think that it was okay to say one thing and do another. And that's not purity. Purity in itself, the word pure, means one substance. So pure gold, guess what's in there? And what else? Nothing, <laughs> just pure gold. Jesus, in the, on the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Okay, to see God, you need a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, 8. Um, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart? Oh, all of your heart. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> there we go again. All of your heart, yeah. Trust in the Lord with all, all of your heart. It's purity. And, and purity, we call it holiness, I guess, in the, in the Wesleyan circles, or Christ-likeness, all right? It's, it's, a, it's, it's the attitude and behavior working together. It's the attitude of Christ in us, the Holy Spirit in us, working inside to affect our behaviors, our, our motives, our heart, uh, which overflows into actions and life, uh, life and behavior, that um, marry up to holiness, purity of heart. It's, um, it's quality of heart. The heart's a really important thing. Like your heart and my heart is really important. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's the most important part of who you are because no one can get into the kingdom of God without believing. That's just how it is. Romans 10 verse 9. It is, um, it's, it's what we believe. We believe with our heart. We confess with our mouth, but we believe with our heart. Faith. Faith is, it comes from the heart. Uh, I shared about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Uh, Ezekiel 36 talks about how one day believers in God uh, get a new heart and a new spirit. In fact, it's his spirit that he's going to put in his people. And then after that's the Valley of Dry Bones illustration that he uses to, I guess, put a picture behind the words. Um, I want you to turn with me, keep your spot in Acts 5, but let's please turn with me to Proverbs 4 and um, 20, start at verse 20, Proverbs 4 and verse 20. And we're going to look at another couple of scriptures from Luke a little bit later on. But this is a really uh, helpful piece of scripture from Proverbs speaking about the heart. Okay, so the writer is writing to his, to his son. Verse 20 of, a, of Proverbs 4 says, My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body or a person's whole body. Above all else... Guard your heart, 
for it is the wellspring of life. Just that verse 23, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. This guard business is is like legitimately strong battle warrior. Don't let anything, just if there's above all else, don't let anything get into your heart. Isn't it interesting how when, when your heart's not right, your world's not right, or your day's not right, or, you, or the drive to work is not right, or your relationship in, in family. If your heart's not right, then everything else doesn't seem to be right. And this is why, because it for it is the wellspring of life. Jesus, Jesus said you, you can't actually uh, make yourself unclean by what goes into your body, all right? You can't put things into your body to make you unclean. It's, it's what comes out of your heart that makes you unclean. And so it's the heart that's the center of everything. And that's why. That's why it's important that we come to Jesus by faith, because it's with the heart that you believe and are justified. And so the Holy Spirit wants to fill our hearts, and he wants to do that today. Not just the time when you said, yes, I want to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And that's awesome because he does. He comes in. And, and I remember that, that actual moment. It was like a week or two. I felt like I was on cloud nine. And, and no one really told, told me that I actually need to, needed to ask him to fill me again and again because my attitudes and my behaviors and my desires tend, tended to take me away from what he wanted me to do. And a little bit like Ananias, it says in, in verse 3, Peter says to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart? How harsh is that? Satan has filled your heart. I think Peter knows what he's talking about because one day when he was with Jesus, Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. You don't have in, th- in mind the things of God, but the things of man. So Peter understands here, it's, it's really not, it's Ananias, sure, but it's, he's allowed the devil's tactics to invade his heart. He's filled his heart. Time and time again, we see in the gospel, uh, sorry, not the gospel, act, the book of Acts, filled, filled, filled. The, the, the Holy Spirit filled them. And you know, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And here we have filled, same word, but it's filled with Satan's filled him. It's sad. You know, in Ephesians 5, verse 18, that's a great scripture to put up on the back of your toilet door and memorize it. Ephesians 5, 18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, and the Holy Spirit fills what part of us? Our hearts. Now, I won't do a show of hands, but I've been drunk before with wine or, you know, something like wine. I've been, I've been there and I know what happens. There's influence. It affects the way you think. It affects the way you speak. It affects the way you walk. It affects the way that you react in situations. It, it affects your wisdom level. It affects, and it even, it even takes you like into more of a self-centered, self-pleasing kind of attitude than, any, than just being not drunk and out of the Lord, if that makes sense. Because I know lots of Christians that are um, good Christians. I know lots of non-Christians that are good Christians. You know, they live 
They live in such a way that could put many Christians, well, I wouldn't say the word shame, but maybe, maybe. I know I know some that have put me to shame in the way that they like look after the poor and, and donate and generous and, you know, that sort of thing. But um, being filled with, with alcohol, um, it affects stuff, right? And likewise with being filled with the Holy Spirit. He influences us. He influences the way we speak, the way we think, the way we react in situations, the way we walk, um, you know, proverbially through life, metaphorically, that's probably the word. Um, being filled with the Holy Spirit is what, um, is what true purity is and allowing him then to work through us in power. Now, I'm not going to go, obviously, I'm not going to go all Pentecostal on everyone. Not that Pentecost is wrong, um, but when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit, there's power for inside and there's power for outside as well. He, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he gives you power to live, to live properly. When, when most of the world around us are living other ways with different values and different beliefs, he gives you the power to, uh, to say, no, this is the truth because he's going to lead you into truth regardless of what's going on around. So Ananias and Sapphira, unfortunately, they died. Uh, we're not sure exactly how they died. It doesn't say God killed them, uh, but they died, all right, because of their impurity of heart, okay? I want you to look at verse 11 of chapter 5, and it says, Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about it uh, heard about these events. Great fear. I don't want fear in church. What does that mean? It means that God is a holy God. And when it comes to representing him in this world, we actually have a standard to actually try and measure up to. But he doesn't call us to do that in our own strength. He fills us with his Holy Spirit if we're willing to let him fill us afresh each and every day. You know that scripture I read, uh, shared with you from Ephesians 5.18? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a continual thing. Be being filled is the kind of idea there. Continually be filled with his Holy Spirit. Ask him, please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need your attitude in this situation. I need the way you would think. I need the way you would respond. I need the way you would see this. And so here we see the church and all who heard about it were in great fear because they recognized there was the standard. There was the standard for God's people. So verse 12 comes, the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. It sounds like a contradiction. Like no one wanted to join them, but nevertheless, more people joined them. It does sound like a contradiction, right? I wish I could help you with that. I'm not sure what that means. But it probably means, it probably means that there was this healthy understanding that if you wanted to be part of this group, this part of this following of Jesus, the way they, they were called, if you wanted to be part of the way, it wasn't just like a casual commitment. You had to be in. You're either in or you're not. Like with Jesus, you're either following Jesus or you're not. And so I guess people were, were, were really just cut to the heart and they thought, well, 
I don't know if I'm really ready for this yet because whatever. And um, sadly, over the years, we've seen, um, we've seen the opposite happen. Uh, we've seen the, the message of the gospel watered down so that people aren't afraid of what, of, of, not afraid, but, you know, don't fear God. Um, we, we, you know, we've been to youth rallies and heard the messages and whatever and um, give your life to Jesus. He loves you. That's it. Like, come on down the front and we'll pray for you. Like, there's no mention of, of uh, a holy God. There's no mention of um, there's no mention of sin. There's no mention of uh, the need of repentance. There's no mention of that because that's that makes us feel uncomfortable. So we won't use those terms in church anymore. And it's sad. Anyway, more and more people joined this movement because they saw the authenticity of it, purity in action. There was no there was integrity. What you see is what you get. Purity, that's purity. Um, and the power. When, when a person is filled with the Holy Spirit, there is purity, all right, to a level that they want to happen, the person that is the believer. And there is power to a level that they want to happen, that is that person. If they uh, surrender to the Holy Spirit, there will be a progression towards being more like Jesus and a progression towards living more like Jesus, and speaking, doing more like Jesus. So we get to verse 15. As a result, turn to the person next to you and say, as a result. As a result. I don't know what the NLT says there. It might just say the word so or therefore. I'm not sure. But as a result of this, Level of purity as a result of this standard. You know, God's church needs to live this way and behave this way and have this integrity. As a result of that, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits and all of them were healed. As a result of, of sincere godly purity came sincere godly power. And the disciples were able to be used by the Holy Spirit because of their pure heart. They'd given their whole lives over and he was able to use them in miraculous ways to heal people. In verse 16, you'll see at the end of the last few words, it says, and all of them were healed. All of them. All of them were healed. Why? Because the church gave all of themselves. You, you get what you, you know, you sow, you reap what you sow. You give, you give, and, and, and all. All were healed. As a result... People brought their sick and their... And I love how Luke, Dr. Luke, in verse 16, he says, he, he's, he categorizes them. He says the people around Jerusalem were bringing sick and those tormented by evil spirits. Not like, they're two things, not one thing. A lot of the time you can read in the Bible, someone was sick because of an evil spirit. But here's Luke, he's, he's you know, being the good doctor and he's saying, this is, these were sick 
and these people were tormented by evil spirits and they were healed. How were they healed? How were all healed? By the Holy Spirit working in ordinary people that were surrendered to him. Now, you might think that I was going to say the word shadow. They were healed because of Peter's shadow. They weren't. They weren't healed because of Peter's shadow at all. Um, they were healed because Jesus is alive and he's the healer. And he filled Peter with his Holy Spirit so much so that Peter was able to then minister in the power and authority of Jesus Christ to bring healing to these people who were brought into his vicinity. And the words, the words here in, in Acts, in any translation you'll see, it talks about how people were so desperate to, to see their loved ones healed that they would bring them to Peter as he passed by, that his shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Now, and it says all were healed. So obviously we have, we have thousands of people here that are being healed, uh, not by just Peter's shadow. That's, you know. Who knows that your shadow can only be where you are? You can't, it can't be anywhere else. It can only be where you are. And Peter, Peter made sure that he was in a place where God wanted him to be so that God could work through him. And your shadow, it's not you, is it? Although it will be with you wherever you go and there's light. And so Peter here and any other disciple, in fact, even us, I want you to look at your shadows this week. When you go to different places, I want you to realize that you actually, you're seeing a shadow there because there's light on you. And the Holy Spirit is upon you as well. And he is so much more powerful than what you or I can even imagine. He's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or think or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That's in Ephesians. His power that is at work within us. And Peter grasped that knowledge. He understood that. Peter's shadow is not the thing. It's not the thing. But, it, but it's, um, it's a sign of the thing. <laughs> Why did I write that? Um, oh, yeah, because Luke, Luke is writing Acts, right? And he uses this term here about Peter's shadow, where it says um, that, that, that Peter's shadow might fall on some of them. All right. Now, this idea of the shadow falling on somebody, Luke has only written about three times. So two times in the Gospel of Luke and here in Acts. And I'm going to take you to the other two times because it will give us a bit of an insight as to really what's happening here. Because there's a lot of weirdos out there that, that believe that um, your shadow has um, got healing capabilities. All right. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. And Luke chapter 9, verse 34. So Luke chapter 1, verse 35, we have the birth narrative of Jesus being born or conceived or the promise of it, at least, uh, to Mary uh, through an angel. And uh, Mary can't believe this. Well, she, she does believe it, but she says, how can this be? How can I become um, pregnant uh, since I'm a virgin? In verse 34 of Luke 1. And then the angel says to her in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you 
and the power of the Most High will, here's the word, overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The other reference is in Luke chapter 9 and verse 34. Jesus is up on top of a hill. He's hiked there with Peter, James and John. And uh, verse 28, we'll go from verse 28, Luke chapter 9. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, James and John with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a, flashing, a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, obviously, one for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. I love that. Verse 34, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and here's the word, enveloped them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Luke uses this, this word three times, and it's all talking about the presence of God. The presence of God in a person or around people. And here is, is, is Peter, and he is, um, there's nothing special about Peter's shadow. In fact, there's nothing really special about Peter other than he is a clay jar filled with the Holy Spirit and fully, fully surrounded over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. I mean, he's a fisherman from Galilee, for goodness sake. Religious people took note of him and John that these people had been with Jesus. There was nothing too special about them on the outside, but the presence of God was powerful on the inside. They were presence carriers. Um, similar to um, uh, this story of Peter's shadow healing is similar. It reminds me of the story of Jesus healing that woman who was caught, uh, not caught, who had bleeding for 12 years. In Mark 5, there's a story. Jesus is on his way to heal a 12-year-old girl. In fact, he ends up going to raise her from the dead because he gets cut short and interrupted because this woman who had bleeding for 12 years reaches out and she says to herself, if I can just touch the edge of his garment, I'll be healed. And there was nothing special about Jesus' garment. He, his clothes were just clothes. Soldiers um, threw lots for his clothes at the cross and there was no miraculous things happening for them. But it was the faith that this woman had to reach out and get close enough to Jesus. And these people that came to, uh, so there was nothing special about his cloak, but it was faith in the person of Jesus. And these people, they came to Peter. They would bring their sick, sick loved ones, the demon-possessed, those with unclean spirits, uh, and the sick ones, they'd bring them close enough to Peter because they knew that Peter uh, had faith in Jesus and he was a follower of Jesus. That's an amazing story. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we, I want to see every one of us this week, we, you know, we're going to go out there and live pure lives uh, 100%. You know, if you see someone lie or if you lie, then that's it. You got to tell us. Um, you know, it's not, it's not about that. It's not all, also, it's not about, um, you know, expecting to see people healed because of your shadow. Um, you know, it's not about that at all. But it is about, I think, how the Holy Spirit can 
be in each of our lives. And we don't have to be really trained, special individuals. We just have to have a relationship with Jesus and be filled with his Holy Spirit. And then we can find our attitudes and lives uh, from the inside are changing. Our heart is pure, or purer, more purer each and every day. Little by little, every day, Jesus is changing me, as the old hymn says. And also, that, but not just for the inside, but power also for the outside, that we can pray for people. We can lay hands. It says in you know James um, to, to get the elders of the church to lay hands on people for the healing, for healing of them. You know, we believe that God is still able to do miracles. Maybe not to that extent that Peter and John experienced there and then, but you know, he's still able. He's the same God. It's the same Holy Spirit alive in the believers. But anyway, let's just take it back to our Mondays. So you're going to wake up tomorrow morning and you're going to start the day either with the Holy Spirit influencing you or something else influencing you. What's it going to be? I can't choose that for you. You can't choose that for me. But I'll be praying for each and every one of us this week that when we wake up, we'll be like, right, Lord, this is it. I need you to help me because someone's going to come my way that needs to see you. And at the moment, I'm not doing a very good job at revealing you. So you've got to have your way. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So we can do that and we can pray for each other as well in that. But um yeah, that's what the world needs. They will, they, the world needs to see people who not just say what they believe, but actually live it out as well to practice that purity in power. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, your blessing upon each and every one of us, Lord, that we might uh, live this uh, life, continue to live this life with Jesus at the top and the Holy Spirit at the, in the center, uh, enabling us and fulfilling us um, to live and to influence our hearts towards um, honouring you, Lord Jesus, in all that we say and do. And we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.